Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. And hello from Bali. You may hear the sounds of chickens and some other noises as I record this intro today. Today's episode, I interviewed one of my mentors, and I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. I had chills during the conversation and even chills when I was editing it. Lucia Anais Satyagraha is a master EFT practitioner, oracular tarot consultant, and certified tapping into wealth coach. She is such an empowering person. She truly is a coach through and through. Her spirit, the way that she approaches life and our capacity to access our power, reprogram our subconscious beliefs and the trauma that we're storing in our body is really, truly magical. And so often when people come to me for astrology readings, that people want to know about love and money, love and career. And these are also Venusian things, love and money. And when we're talking about money here, Lucia makes a point that money is not just about wealth and luxury, but it is about purpose and impact. Something that I really love about this conversation is that we went to such big philosophical, you know, big idea places about the context of these issues. And we also talked about some very pragmatic things that you can do in your life to enhance your relationship with love and money. So I think that this episode is going to be very transformative for you. And I'm very excited to share it. So a few things about Bali. It's a little bit hard to say a lot in that I feel like I'm in the midst of this big transformation. While I've been here, I've interacted with a lot of other travelers. And it's interesting because I have traveled by myself in the States before, but I tend to meet people that live there. And here I'm meeting a lot of other travelers. And so I'm getting to know the archetype of the traveler more, that Jupiter, that Sagittarius energy. And I had been feeling this call even before this trip, you know, which was part of the call, but the call that I've been feeling is to wander, to travel more. The lease on my house ends in April. And after that, I have some plans in the US for a couple of months. And then it's just open possibility. And because my work is completely remote, I see clients online, I teach online and I produce online content, I really could go anywhere. And so as I've been in Bali and I've interacted with and seen these spaces where digital nomads are gathering, I'm like, wow, like, why am I not a digital nomad? (laughs) It's something that I could do. And another thing that has come up that I find funny is that people ever since I was in the airport to start this trip have been really kind of like reflecting back this like, wow, like it's so bold of you to travel alone. And I just want to make a PSA that I am an Aries. I am an Aries sun. And a lot of people will capture kind of my Taurus moon energy or my Pisces energy. And I do have a lot of Pisces in my chart. And it's like the Aries is the last thing And I'm like, do I have to flex? Do I have to yell? Like, I'm an Aries. So I did not feel super phased about making the decision to go traveling by myself. But I will say that when I left for the airport and my housemate was driving me to the airport and on one of my first flights, I was feeling so much fear. And then it got better. Then I was fine. And... Being on this trip is definitely showing me lots of parts of myself. I'm learning so much about myself and I'm learning a lot about where I want to take my life in the time to come. And there's something that I want to offer you guys who are listening based off of something I've realized while I've been here, which is that one of the things that called me to travel 
in a, a variety of factors. One of them is that I've always been enchanted by travelers that I've met in my life. Their perspective is so broad. They've seen so much. They're so experienced. They have interesting stories. Like I really just dig that. And how long am I going to let that be a person outside of me before I internalize like, oh, I am the traveler, you know? So taking into account when we're inspired by people that we're actually also inspired by that part of ourselves. But what I wanted to say was that I had had this sense that with the traveler archetype, and I even feel it a little bit while I'm here, that if you travel a bunch, it's as though you may feel that you don't belong anywhere. You know, at once you're home everywhere, but then you have so much consciousness, you're so aware of so many different realities that you can't just belong somewhere anymore. And I don't know if that's really a a worthwhile thought to stop me from this quest of exploration and this exciting adventure in my youth, you know, I should just really go for it. But what I noticed looking back at different times in my life is that this theme has come up before where I want to do something, something's exciting to me. And I think, no, if I do that, I won't come out well on the other end or I'll be alone on the other end. I can't get too weird. I can't become too much of myself. It'll isolate me. And that's not how it actually works. As we will discover in this episode with Lucia, connection to the self, being with the self is part of being in relationship to the other. And so if I follow my own excitement, I'm going to vibrate and be in contact with people that will be magnetized towards that path that I'm on and we will join paths together. So I want to invite you, if there's something that you feel excited about or drawn towards, something that you really want to do, something that really lights you up, but you feel like it will isolate you, consider that you will attract the people that vibrate with you as you evolve and shift. Astrology has definitely been that way where, you know, when I first started studying it, I mean, nothing was going to stop me. I didn't relate to many people about astrology because most people that I talked to about it didn't think it was real and didn't want to have a conversation about it. So I just kept studying it on my own. And as time went on and I became more public about being an astrologer, people that were interested in it began to gravitate towards me. And now I have friends all over the world who are astrologers and astrology enthusiasts And actually, probably part of the reason why I'm going to become a digital nomad, because I can go hang out with them anywhere in the world. Now, if I'd listened to any kind of anxiety about like, oh, this will isolate me or this thing is too weird and I won't find friends, then I would have disconnected from myself and disconnected from those future contacts. So I'm coming to you today with so much up in the air in terms of my feeling of, you know, what's next, like there's so much possibility and I'm just really being with that when it comes to, you know, my core intentions and my career goals and the impact that I want to have with astrology and astrology education, that is very much the same. And I'm exploring, you know, how to expand what I'm already doing, but the sense of possibility and openness, a lot of that is around just who I am, how I relate to myself, where in the world I want to go. And I know that that's something that happens when you travel. It's very mutable energy and there's so much mutable energy in the sky as I record this. Anyway, I've been really excited to record this intro and connect with you guys and tell you a little bit about where I'm at. I've really been appreciating your reviews on iTunes. It really helps the show's visibility and it also touches me to know what you think about the show and to get your reflections. So I'm going to read one to share with you guys. This one is from Lena and Lena wrote, Sabrina skillfully navigates enchanting high vibration conversations with fellow astrologers and other spiritual practitioners in this delightful podcast. We hear a little bit of each guest's life path and learn a lot from their experiences, methods, and teachings. 
Some of my favorite episodes are the candid conversations between Sabrina and her housemates. Her solo episodes are equally heart and mind opening. Every episode radiates a palpable love that even the listener feels included in. This is a podcast about leading a spiritual lifestyle and listening to the myriad ways it can be done allows us all to express ourselves and our lives a little more soulfully. Thank you so much, Lena. I do love my housemates and it's really fun too to have kind of a variety of conversations on the show. I feel like I really get to learn about different conversation styles, different interviewing styles by interacting with different people. And I think there are so many different ways to live spiritually. And so having that variety on the show is also a way to give permission to live in a spiritual way in a way that is unique and personal to you. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Lucia Anais Satyagraha. And one more thing, this is a two-part episode and the next part of this conversation will come out next week. And next week in the intro, I'll also share with you the story of how I met Lucia, which I think is pretty magical and reflects kind of the epic nature of who she is as a person. Um, I think Lucia is a very epic person and I think she is a visionary thinker. And I'm so excited that she was on the show and that I get to share her ideas with all of you. I'm here with Lucia Anais Satyagraha, Mm -hmm. and I'm really excited to be here with you to talk about love and money, and you're such a visionary thinker. I'm so excited to dive into this with you. And so before we start, I would love to ask you what led you onto this path to be a coach that helps other people with these two topics. Awesome. Thank you for asking. Hello, everyone. And hi, Sabrina. Thanks for having me here today. I really appreciate it. Um... My path to becoming a healer and a life coach, um, really, I I came to this place because of all the traumas and turmoils that I had in my life. Um, Growing up, I was raised in an abusive family household, and it was extremely challenging for me. I um, have a very sordid past of even joining a gang when I was young. Yeah. And, um, And being in and out of detention centers and treatment centers and things like that um, for uh, getting into fights and being really um, angry, having so much rage and anger and hurt about the wounds that I was carrying around with me. And, and, And slowly over time, though, the thing that kept happening, which I really believe that the universe always provides for us, is we're always given a way out. We're always given a different choice or multiple choices. And, and so along the way, each time when I was given the opportunity of somebody who showed up in my life, who loved me or who was a teacher or who showed me a different way or some sort of grace, I found that I really moved towards that and really continue to change the way that I look at things and, um, and how I was moving and acting in the world. And as I got older, it just became one of the most profoundly important things to me to heal my relationships, my relationship with myself, my relationship with my family, my relationship with the rest of the world to have good lasting, beautiful, healthy, extraordinary, even relationships. And that's part of what led me on my healing journey. And, um, and then also in regards to finances, it was, it's a similar story being so broke where money and relationships touch every aspect of our lives and they make a difference on how we feel and think and, and see the world and see ourselves and our place in it. Um, these, these two things, money and relationships, wealth and relationships became, uh, fundamentally important for me to heal in my own life. And through that healing, I gained so much 
personal wisdom and growth and prosperity and ability to share that with the people that I work with and, and more than that even. So that sounds like so much transformation. And I feel like having that depth and breadth even of experience allows you to be the amazing coach that you are today. You have empathy for a lot of deep things and like dark or like really traumatic things that people might be experiencing, but you also see a way out of it and hold that within you. That's That's right. That's right. And, um, and, and as far as that goes, what really made the most sense was there's a lot of stuff that I talk about that is about the law of attraction and spiritual growth and the, and our thoughts and our feelings coming first, our beliefs coming first. Um, and also so many simple and pragmatic tools for how to change our relationship to money, for how to change our relationship to relationships. So for those people who want to have better friendships, better work relationships, partnership, um, how to have an extraordinary partnership once you have partnership, all those kinds of things, how to be my own best friend, right? How to be your own best friend. (laughs) Astrologically, the archetype Venus has to do with both love and money Mm -hmm. and Venus is about connection. And so it's really interesting to think about life without connection. And so that's like without good relationship, without good relationship to the material world or to the body. And so how do you see, like, if someone is experiencing a lack of connection, what does that manifest as? Like, what does that look like? That's a really interesting question. Um, I think that if somebody is experiencing a lack of connection, like if they're feeling loneliness or isolation, is that kind of what you, what you mean when you ask that question? Yeah. So when, when people typically are feeling loneliness and isolation, there, there many times are a whole bunch of unexamined thoughts going on in the mind that are really, um, hurting that person. Um, the a cycle of thoughts where we are consistently beating ourselves up. When I think about loneliness and isolation, um, I think that those are those those are kind of on the brink of depression, despair, um, things like that. And when people are really feeling that way, the stories that they're telling themselves are, "I'm not enough." It can't get better. There's something wrong with me. Maybe even things like it's a karmic thing. And so when we make it so much bigger than ourselves, there's no way that we can ever get out of it or change the situation. And so that leads into despair and despair. Feelings of despair leave, lead into um, feelings of not wanting to to be right here, right now in this body. True. Uh, so... So really, there's a lot of going through. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't already describe this, but I'm a master EFT practitioner, and EFT stands for emotional freedom techniques, and it's tapping. And you tap on the Chinese meridian points, and go through a verbal therapeutic process to clear things from and the so root. So this is just on the outside of your body, and on you're the tapping outside with your fingers. Yeah. And so when I um, am working with clients and I'm leading them through a session, I'm tapping on myself, and they're tapping on themselves, themselves. And, and so, so when I have a client that's in this kind of despair or trauma state or PTSD or something like that from, from the feeling the weight of the world or from feeling hypervigilant because something, something bad has happened, um, The first thing that we do is go through and do clearing work using EFT. EFT is able to, the way that it works as a somatic therapy where you're tapping on the body, um, tapping on the Chinese meridian points, it works as a rapid neuro reprogramming tool. And so 
all of this energy starts getting broken up as we're tapping about it. And as we're talking about it, it is literally being released from the body. And so people will burp or yawn or even feel like they're getting high and might even feel like they're tripping or all of their cells start vibrating and feel really tingly. There are all sorts of different ways that people feel as this energy is literally being released from the body. We are having a purge. Uh, which is similar to what happens in uh, a medicine ceremony, like with ayahuasca or peyote, when people, they call it getting well or having a purge. You're literally purging up old junk that's been resting inside of your body. And our bodies hold this because they are so extraordinarily intelligent that they hold on to these traumas in order to keep us safe, in order to continue to not forget and to keep a lookout in the environment to make sure that's not ever going to happen to me again. And when we actually release that, because the, mm, the, I'm forgetting the word right now, it's slipping from my mouth, but, but the, the, the issue is, is that as we continue to be hypervigilant about things and not wanting them to occur, the inverse actually happens. That's the word I was looking for, where we create more of the situation. We draw in more of the situation that we don't want because we're looking for it in the environment all the time. Yeah. Like we're wired to meet it. Right. Like when you're shopping for a red car and then everywhere you go on the road, you see a red car, right? Um, and so, and so as we do the clearing work and we actually purge that information from our bodies, the way that our bodies are holding onto it, then we create more space in the body, in the spirit, for the spirit to know that it is safe to be here in this body to fill out space, to take up space, to, um, in essence, fluff up our auric field and clean off our angel wings because we all have them. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and so when I'm working with somebody who has this deep state of despair, the first things that we work on are identifying where those traumas came from, what they were, and then doing EFT work with them. So, and sometimes I'll send my clients home with a bit of homework to do, you know, because it's good for us to get some of that big, huge, chunky stuff. And it's also important for them to do the daily work. And And then we start to identify all the superficial thoughts that we have on a regular basis that are a result of those old traumas. And then we work on changing those thoughts consciously. So it's like these two modalities of EFT work and coaching and how they work together. Like EFT, I kind of think of as the moon and coaching more as the sun. Like EFT is kind of more like a, a subtle a snake that that goes into to clear out the roots of the junk that's been resting inside your body and your heart and all of those things. And then the coaching is like, let's get that shit out of your head. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That sounds like the uh, eclipses in a sense too. There's like an eclipse snake or like the movement of eclipses resembles a snake somehow. I'm not describing it super well, but um this like transformation of programming and of programming in the ego, Mm -hmm. JC is the moon. Mm -hmm. So what you're also suggesting then too, is that our thoughts are not necessarily real. Our thoughts are, I'm, I'm curious actually what you mean by that when you say that. Yeah. That just because we think something doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it points to a reality. Okay. So I think that there's a level of attachment sometimes that people have to the thoughts that come in their mind, like a thought will come in and they just roll with it and believe what it's saying rather than having a detached like, oh, that's an interesting thought. Why is that there? And then additionally, to shift our thoughts on purpose is a whole other 
Like, so, so to answer this question, thoughts are a vibration of consciousness, right? And so thoughts are as real as the table and the microphone and all of the different and like the beautiful altar that is set up right here that we're sitting next to. Um, thoughts are as real as the um, physical form because of the experience that we have as a result of those thoughts. Mm. And even, and, and I think that more what you're asking is about the truth of thoughts. Yes. Right. Like are all thoughts true or not? And here's the thing is that our minds are like little puppy dogs. And if we give them a job, like if we're like, fetch this, if we give them a job, they will run off and go fetch for that particular thing. Uh, so that's the same thing as what is it? What is that actually called? Anyways, whatever. So when we give our minds a job and we can either do this consciously or unconsciously, these are the thoughts that we're thinking, right? So the thoughts that we're thinking, uh, oh, that's what I was saying, is um, our, our mind, like a puppy dog, wants to collect evidence for us. Mm, so yeah. we can think a thought and then we go, do I think that that's true or not? And if we're good at managing our minds, then we'll be spending much more time being conscious about the thoughts that we have. And, and so we will send out the puppy dog to collect more evidence that actually serves us because we're choosing our thoughts wisely because we're choosing our thoughts on purpose, but this can't happen with an unexamined mind. And so we can have thoughts and still collect evidence for them, negative thoughts, collect evidence for them, and they can be the truth. They can be the truth that we experience. But the real question is, does it serve you? If it's not serving me, then I need to spend some time with that thought. Where does it come from? Why am I thinking it? How is it making me feel? And what kind of results am I getting from it? Right? And so once I spend some time going, what are the results I'm getting? Because a lot, oftentimes I'll see the results first. I'll see the way things are showing up in the 3D in my world and be like, I'm not sure I like that so much. I'm not sure I love that so much. These results I'm creating. How am I doing that? How am I responsible for this? What actions am I taking? What feelings am I feeling? What thoughts am I thinking? So while thoughts to, to get back, while the vast range of thoughts can all be true. <laughs> it is what serves us, what serves us personally, what serves us interpersonally, what serves us planetarily. Right. So I think, yeah, maybe to clarify that it's such a great answer. Um, that let's say someone has a limiting belief around love or money that thought may manifest as actual circumstances that are real in their life, but it's not the only reality that they're capable of having. That's but right. if they do thought work, that they could have a different reality. 100%. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so you have like laser consciousness for identifying what kind of thoughts are at play in an environment. And I'm curious, like, what do you see happening in the realm of love that distorts people's experience of love? Right. Well, so, you know, I, I, I'm not going to disregard even my own experience or the experience that, um, that many people are having on the planet right now. We have a lot of really shitty programming yeah. on the planet around, um, sex, sexuality, sexism, what it means to be, um, non-binary, what it means to be, uh, a female or a male, um, how people show up, what the, what societal expectations or exceptions are, um, kind of like, uh, 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 sexist forms of nepotism, 
right? <laughs> um, that happen in culture where there's a major imbalance. And so, and so again, as, as a person who I consider myself a feminist, I also had to get real with while those things are true, what is it that I wish to create? What kind of experience do I want to have? And how do I inform people in general on how to treat me based on the way that I show up for myself and based on the way that I show up in relationship? And I will say that I went through a spectrum of feeling like um, men do a lot of shitty, horrible, awful things. And even on a regular basis, I work with my clients on uh, emotional traumas involving rapes and molestation and being pushed to edges that they don't want to be and non-consent and things like that. And, and for myself and my own work that I had to do was really clear that stuff from my system and decide I'm not going to be a processing machine for other people's bad behavior. Yeah. That the people who step up to the plate will, will be the ones who show up in my life. And so I made very different decisions that were diligent and continued to make those decisions and believe those beliefs. And the way the experience that I have now with partnership with men, that experience has changed so vastly and dramatically that now I have a lot of fun. I don't have an experience of being disrespected or um, or not being honored when I say yes or when I say especially no. Um, and so that really has changed my whole scope about things. That's beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. And being able to know what you desire, what your preferences are to value that and to know how to ask for it, to know how to say no are really huge Venusian lessons too. That's right. And, and that's a big one that I work with clients on and students is saying your authentic no honoring your no, um, and, and what that means and why. So oftentimes in relationship, whether it's monogamous or it's a multi-dynamic relationship, which is a term that I coined because I haven't always been in love with the term polyamory, but that's also an easy one. That's, uh, commonly understood, whether you are in a monogamous relationship or a polyamorous or polyamorous relationships, then one of the things that we can have a training on is not saying no, right? Is feeling obligated that when somebody asks you a direct question, you don't know how to say no when the truth is, when your real answer is actually no. And how that leads to people not being authentic in relationship because really what you're doing is you're people pleasing and lying. And when we lie regularly in relationship and say that we're okay with something that we're really not, then it creates an imbalance in the relationship. It creates. It creates a hi, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try to keep her away from the mic. It creates an imbalance in the relationship because it acts as a curtain or a veil between two people so that they can't actually see each other genuinely. And when we say no with kindness, just know and we learn how to do that, then when we say yes, we are showing up totally authentically. So 
for me, it's not that often that I have a lot of boundary issues in my relationships because I know how to say no. And I say yes exuberantly when it's a yes for me. It is really helpful to get to that place. Um, So let's say someone has difficulty accessing, like they don't even know what they want or they're so used to being mistreated. Um, How do they start to get in touch with what they really desire? That's a good question. And the way to get in touch with what you really desire, especially when you don't think that you know what that is. Oftentimes when I'm reading people's tarot for them, they will, I'll ask them, what do you do in life? What do you care about? And I will have people who show up at my table and they say, I don't know. And the truth is everybody knows We all know our spirits are too clear for that. So when we stop telling ourselves, I don't know, and we actually ask ourselves the question, when we take the time to actually ask the question to ourselves, even if it feels uncomfortable, the answer will be there. Even if it's not necessarily something that we feel confident or capable or ready to do, we will know what the answer is. And so part of that too is when you've been in a place of being fearful, even of, of really actually sharing your no, a lot of times you're not, you've also not been letting yourself really feel your feelings really feel your own feelings. And so there's a lot of pretending, right? When we stop pretending and we take a moment to (sighs) close our eyes, take a deep breath and feel into the center of your body, you get to feel your feelings and feeling your feelings on purpose, just like thinking your thoughts on purpose or choosing your thoughts on purpose. You are feeling your feelings on purpose. So whatever is there, not being in resistance to it and just allowing yourself to feel that no matter how uncomfortable it may feel because it's in the resistance and the fighting of that thing and the pretending that it's not there that we cloud our own judgment of the things that are really important to us. When we are not feeling our own feelings, when we are being in resistance to them, when we're being in resistance with our own mind and in an argument in our heads constantly, we are not able to tap into the deeper wisdom inside of our bodies, inside of our spirits, that is that knowing place. But when we just stop and take a moment and take a deep breath and feel into that space, it's always accessible. That's really good to know. And this sounds too like being your own friend, being your own best friend. That's right. It's so important because, yeah, if that's the perspective, then we would check in with ourselves. And if we were a good friend to ourselves, we wouldn't constantly drag ourselves to places we didn't want to go. And it takes that, I guess, self-inquiry and self-friendship to really start that process. That's right. And sometimes... There are things that we give up in the process because are because we learn a new level of dedication to ourselves. The more that we start saying yes to ourselves and no to the things that aren't right or aren't exactly right 
and we keep the dedication, like we stay clear, we're, we're allowing ourselves to move more and more towards our bigger dreams, goals, and realities that happens in dating that happens in, in your purpose and how that's experienced out in the world, what kinds of gigs or opportunities that you'll say yes to and what you will say no to. Um, yeah, with, with love relationships, what people show up and are an almost, but not quite (laughs) and how much time we will allow ourselves to spend with a person that's in that field. Right. And for example, if we're spending a lot of time with that almost, but not quite, that's Mm -hmm. attached to a lot of thoughts, right? Like around scarcity or like, this is the best I can get. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, and so recommend recommendations for dating are, maybe one or two dates, but really there's a thing about us knowing in the field beforehand, whether that person is it. What do you mean by that? (laughs) (laughs) So what, what my biggest recommendation is, is go out, meet people and have a lot of fun. Right. And really, Get to practice speaking your truth, who you are, what you care about, what you want in relationship, right? And from a totally unattached place, because if you are meeting people and you don't feel that vibrational, magnetic, attractive, electrical, spiritual pull with somebody, if they're just real cute or sexy or fun or interesting or whatever, great. This person gets to be a good friend or maybe not even that, right? And we're actually, I I know a lot of people harsh on online dating, but I think that it actually provides us all a major opportunity because we can meet more people than we've ever been able to before from all sorts of different groups. It's just such a diverse range and opportunity of where people are in the world, who they are, what cultures they come from, all of those things. And, and so we have this huge blessing, uh, right at our fingertips to be able to meet so many different people And if you're going out to have fun and you're filling up your time, having a good time with people, getting to know people, getting to hear different people's stories and what's interesting and what's important to them, getting to practice having those conversations with other people about what's important to you, then you are creating an even more powerful force field that is magnetizing the right person or people to you. Wow. I believe that. I really do notice that whenever I connect more deeply with myself, with someone else, just with the experience that it seems to attract more and more connection That's without right. my own doing. Yeah. It's like a force in reality. Yeah. Cause you're having fun. And the more that you do it, the more confidence you build and confidence is is the law of radiance and say more about that radiance, radiance radiance is radiance is a thing that we build doing prayer doing internal transformation doing meditation radiance is a grace that we can also call in radiance is a way that we are so in love with ourselves and with the world and what we're doing, a knowing, a knowing of how I'm here to serve, what I have to offer, who I am, right? Sometimes we fall off. 
I don't always know what's going on with me. Sometimes my life can be a total shit show, but we also, as we do this, we, we, we grow it. So it has a compound effect. The law of radiance, radiance within ourselves, radiance in our spirits. It has a compound effect. The more that we spend time doing these prayer prayers and, um, and, and honoring the elements honoring creation, honoring creation within ourselves, we build that radiance and radiance is like a spiritual beacon. So you can be at home and you can be doing your things and, um, doing your rituals and, and really writing and calling in, doing your inner personal work. And then suddenly you get like five phone calls from people yes. even that you haven't heard from in a long time who are like, I just thought of you. Lucia, that makes me so excited to hear because I actually, I have my phone around me a lot of the time, partially because I like to see how my phone lights up in accordance to the vibration that I'm holding. That's right. It's not really about like being addicted to my phone or needing to see my messages all the time. I'm just so aware and curious of how it aligns. Like, and even like the other day I sat down to think about what kind of career opportunities I wanted to develop and manifest. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, my phone lit up with an invitation to speak somewhere and they were going to pay for my travel. Yay! And it happened that second <laughs> that I sat down. That's awesome. I'm so and happy for thank you. you. <laughs> and things like that happen. You know, I'll be feeling all this love and so inside of myself or like this exalted, like spiritual state and people just like flood in with texts or calls at that moment. I love that word exalted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's what it feels like. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and so, and, and so, and, and I think that it's really important to talk about a compound effect too. And I know that we're, we're like getting a little bit away from talking about relationships and we can come back and revisit that. But, but the compound effect of radiance and even the work, the physical work that we are doing in the world with our gifts and our offerings, those things and our beliefs, those things, even if we fall off, this is the message that I want to share with everybody is that even if we fall off, even if our life becomes a shit show, even if we start thinking crappy thoughts that don't serve us, it doesn't go away. It doesn't all go away. We can get right back on the wagon. Yeah. That's why I love routines because I feel like it is, it is compound. I think of it as Saturn and right. just like doing the thing every day. And that when you do fall off, it's like you fall off like an inch of this like pillar that is much bigger that you've built. Right. And that's then right. You just get back on. That's right. Yeah. And each time it happens, it also gets easier and easier because what that means when we're building this kind of radiance within ourselves is the same thing as choosing the thoughts consciously and choosing the feelings consciously. So when we've gone through and we've done clearing work to actually like really release the, the shit that has been sitting inside of the body, these old traumas, these old circumstances, these old ways that we've decided this is the way that the world works. This is the way reality is. And we clear that stuff to make room <sighs> to choose our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions on purpose. And we do this kind of work of building radiance. We become magnetic to attract so much love and relationship. That's right. And there was something that I was going to say, and it totally just dropped off a cliff, but it'll come back to me. It's okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm wondering then with relationship to bring it back to that, um, what are some of the hallmarks of really healthy relationships in your perspective? Right. So, um, so obviously, uh, a big one, a huge one, the most important one is communication. And so, and, and I do feel that the first part of communication is being able to say no. When it comes to saying no, that just gave me this flashback of a time period in my life where I was doing a ton of inner development and huge transformation. Like my paradigm and world was totally shifting. And I had to say no a lot of the time. 
And sometimes people respected my no and other times people freaked out and flipped out on me. And when they did that, I realized that they weren't really caring about me, that they had a very limited vision of what they wanted from me and that if I wasn't going to please them in that way, then it would flip them out. And that wasn't love. It didn't feel like that to me. Absolutely. And, uh, and that's, that's actually an amazing experience to get to cultivate for yourself and to really realize because, um, even if it might've felt bad in the moment by you doing that, by you choosing yourself and affirming that even in the face of somebody being upset because they want something specific from you that you're not giving, giving to them, whether it's doing a thing for them or giving them some kind of validation or even spending time with them in a certain way or whatever it is. Um, if they are not supporting that, then they don't, it's not that they're not your real friend. They just don't yet have that capacity within themselves. Right. To really, or the ethos, I really think a lot of it is training um, of understanding what yes and what no means. Because the more that we have training on how to say yes and no, the more we don't take it personal when the people in our lives that we love say no to us. In fact, we honor it as much as we honor a yes. And we'll thank you. Like we might even thank our friends and thank the people in our lives, thank our family members, thank our lover or partner for saying no and letting us know what is authentic to them. Because when we don't let people say no to us, we're actually being quite manipulative, right? Emotionally manipulative. Well, if you really loved me, you would do X, Y, and Z for me. And actually, that's one of the things that I like to share with people is that we are all adults. And the truth is, we can do whatever we want to, right? And the more that we really honor and recognize that and stop telling ourselves the stories about what our lovers or our best friends or our mothers or our fathers or our children should do for us or in their own life in order to show that they love and respect us, when we stop having all of this, these conditions that we put on what it means for somebody to love us, then we stop being controlling. We stop being manipulative because really where that comes from is us believing that if somebody else outside of us does something different, it'll change the way that we feel. If you do something different, then I can feel good, but I can't feel good until you do what I want you to do. And so you can hear the manipulation in that. And that's it's especially important to understand because then if two people are thinking that they need to get their happiness from each other, both people are trying to get the other person to do what they want. And that's a rapid way to have a very destructive relationship. The more that we take into our own power the ability to appreciate when our partners say no and thank them because we know and trust them because we know that they do show up for the things that they really want to, then we make ourselves also a hell of a lot easier to be around, a whole lot more enjoyable because we're not trying to control other people in order to um, feel, try, try to feel a certain way. We also give ourselves so much more power because when it's up to the rest of the world to make you feel good, you are by default in a victim state. And so you are always at the mercy of what is going on in the rest of the world. And to be an incredible creator co-creator on the planet right now, it is absolutely crucial for us to step out of the victim role in our purpose, in our relationships. If you want to have extraordinary relationships, you better get out of that victim role. If you want to have build wealth in integral ways in life, in this lifetime, you better get out of victim mode. 
right? And so that's really recognizing all the stories that we have that put us in victim mode and also how we make it the other, the external, the fault of something outside of us. But when we stop and we look at ourselves and we take responsibility for our own feelings, if somebody in partnership is not doing what I desire, that doesn't mean that they don't love me. I can think of five other ways that they do love me. I can think of other ways how, where I can trust the way that they show up in my life and are here to share love with me. And also I get to tell myself what I want to think in order to feel good right now on purpose, whether or not somebody does what I desire or want or not. That's really hard hitting. (laughs) I've had, yeah, so much, I guess, transformation already and ongoing in this life around relationship, but I definitely, you know, part of that work is about finding security in myself and, um, Yeah. I mean, I remember like teenage love and just how catastrophic that feels. Oh yeah. You feel like you are dying (laughs) if that person doesn't call you even. And it's just like, it's like infantile almost, but like that state projected into the moment. And so it's a lot about maturity. It sounds like of, you know, and I think it's interesting, um, developing that ethos and that maturity as well. Um, at the same time, because you can have the ethos without the maturity and just do the right thing and be like, oh, you can do whatever you want, but you don't know what you're looking for. And so you could be in a dysfunctional relationship and be like, well, I don't care. Like I'll find happiness this other way. And there's like something about marrying the circumstances being enjoyable and the relationship to the circumstances being enjoyable. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is though, is that more often than not, when we are less attached to the circumstances being enjoyable for us to choose having enjoyment on purpose, more often than not, when we are less attached to those circumstances being that way, they are that way. (laughs) That's again, we're talking about the inverse of when I have a traumatic experience and I become hypervigilant and I'm scanning the field for that thing to make sure that it doesn't happen to me again, I'm creating more of that. And when I am choosing enjoyment on purpose, even if the circumstances, the physical circumstances in the 3D in my world are not necessarily, I could collect a bunch of evidence that says I should be feeling super bad right now and feeling really unhappy about things, or I can choose on purpose to be thankful and grateful about all of the things that I do have about even being in a body right now. I'm glad you make that distinction too, because I've, I've just been thinking about this today specifically about how, how to orient to life if there's problems or things I want to fix or whatever, but that also when I tune into what makes me happy and joyful and when I'm grateful and when I follow my excitement, I get chills running through my body. I feel good in my body. I see the lights and colors that I see. I have inspiration. I act on the inspiration and it snowballs in this really positive way. And so it's not like when I'm in that state that I don't take care of my responsibilities or do the right thing or say no when I need to. I'm just well resourced. No, you actually get even more done and you are in in this way able to bend reality. And what you're talking about is the state of expansion. So when we move towards the things that give us bliss or yeah, and, and that offer an open space within the center of our being where we feel more like vibrational beings, where we feel actually more light and more joyful. That is the state of expansion. That is bliss. And the more that we create bliss, the easier actually it is for things to just like fit into place like a puzzle. So that I, I I just, I just love the way that you described that. Yeah. 
Thanks. Mm -hmm. So should we talk about money or is there other things we should cover about? Yeah. I'm wondering if there are any other things that we want to cover about relationships. Does that seem good to you? Yeah. Let's talk about sexuality. I feel like that's really important and root level. Mm -hmm. It's like lower chakra. And when it comes to being on a spiritual path, I inherited a lot of teachings when I first started out that we're here to ascend, that it's better to be like in the higher chakras. And that didn't really sit that well with me. And I, I came into teachings not too long after about integrating everything and that I would have these psychics or even my hairstylist, who was also a psychic, told me every single time I went to see her that I wasn't in my root. And she was like, you'll make more money. You'll find love if you get more into your root chakra. And she would just like drill that into me every time I saw her. And I was like, I'm in my root chakra. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) But I would go home and like, I would actually meditate before falling asleep. I would imagine a bunch of different pleasurable experiences and like draw them in and down and pretend that they were real. Mm -hmm. And I would actually start to see the color red and see red lights. Mm. And I was like, oh, cool. So like my system is telling me, giving me the feedback. It's being responsive. Yeah. Yeah. And it was... um, you know, I still feel that way of like, whenever I get into my root chakra or like I'm in that kind of like primal space, like I feel really expansive and really abundant. And I know that growing up, there was all sorts of social conditioning directly, like wanting to sever and cut that off, you know, especially just like being a child, like Pluto and Scorpio generation. Like, I feel like I came into this life with a certain degree of sexuality, but received the message that that's wrong and bad before I had the consciousness to really know what to do about that. So Mm -hmm. a lot of my healing and spiritual work as I've gotten older is healing that early conditioning and just like coming back into my natural state of sensuality and sexuality without all of that like conditioning. And I think that it's so like sexuality is just so powerful Mm -hmm. and to not have access to that power within yourself. Like there's so much that can you can lose. I don't know. That's how I see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, and just to, to, to touch on that, uh, you know, this is, this is part of why, uh, or not even part of why I would be diminishing it to say that this is, this is one of the reasons why Tantra is so important. And Tantra is, the householder's way to God. So what this means, and when I say God, I mean, God, goddess, creator, universe, all that is the, um, the, the force that, uh, creates, sustains and destroys. So that's what I mean when I, when I use that word, um, that, that this is the householder's way to God, goddess, creator, And, and what that means is to, for those of us who can't go be in a monastery and give up all forms in order to connect with spirit in a mystical way, this is where we call it in, in every action, in the foods that we eat and, and, and what real pleasure is. So there's the difference between feeding your pleasure center which actually comes from feeling shame, right? It's actually a shame cycle feeding our pleasure centers and, and that's, and it's an addiction. Uh, and so that's different than experiencing real pleasure. Pleasure is a sensual experience. And what I mean by sensual is what it is to be in a body, to be able to touch things, to hear things, to see, to experience, to feel on all sorts of different levels from vibration, emotion. And so the more that we sink into this place and one of the one of the ways that i find that's really um healing around sex and sexuality and also really moving into the power of your root is 
by working with elements like fire and water and earth and air and giving thanks and gratitude to these elements for utterly supporting us uh, without asking for a thing. (laughs) And the more that we work with these elements, it brings us into uh, the, the field of I'm safe here in my body. I'm safe here in my roots. And so our roots actually find a way to, to sink into the earth and to find that space where that is the truth, where we are nourished. And those kinds of densities of shame and, uh, shame and, um, not grief, it's another one. Despair? No, I always shame and guilt. Mm. Yes. That shame and guilt are able to be released from our system. You guys will not want to miss the remainder of this episode coming out next week. We continue talking about love and sexuality and also talk about money, wealth, impact. And truly, this conversation is one of those that just stuck with me and I feel altered me. And it's just so powerful. Also, Lucia is an amazing person to work with and to get to know. So if you're looking for someone to learn tapping from or like a coach to do tapping with, she would be a great resource, a great person to get in contact with. So her contact info was shared at the end of the episode that will be coming out next week. But in case you want to learn more about her before then, her website is love-in-action.us. And her email is luciafullofgrace at gmail.com. And I'll leave that info in the show notes. Join us next week for the rest of this conversation. And in the meantime, stay blessed. Mm